Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada, and you are listening to episode 240 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast of my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Dear people, as it happens, January is the busiest time of year for me at work. It's a bit of a hellish stretch that makes things like planning and producing podcasts a little bit tricky. What's worse is that the studios don't believe that people really want to go out to the movies in January, so they hit us up with crap like Doolittle and Bad Boys for Life. What I'm saying is that inside of a cinema and outside of it, things were a little difficult this week. But I wanted to keep the line moving and bring you fine folks something to listen to as you start your working week and we all end this crummy, crummy month. So I have a short episode today, something quick and breezy that a dear friend and I recorded on the scene. My guest today is a good friend who has been heard around these parts often. He's a guy I've known for 10 whole years now and still count myself lucky to be able to text in the middle of the day and go for a drink if the mood strikes. It wasn't always so, and I really dig that it is now so because it's so much fun to discuss film with him and life in general. The man is Andrew Robinson of G-Man Reviews and the Unnamed Movie Podcast. As for the film, we decided to catch a Friday night showing of Guy Ritchie's new film, The Gentleman. It's written and directed by Ritchie, and it stars Matthew McConaughey, Charlie Hunnam, Hugh Grant, Colin Farrell, Henry Golding, Jonathan Strong, and Michelle Dockery. It's about a drug kingpin and his move to get out of the game, and all of the shenanigans that entails in a typical Guy Ritchie way. So come with me to a bar attached to a movie theater, that's an awesome concept, where Andrew Robinson and I sat down to discuss The Gentleman. Andrew Robinson. Cheers. It's Friday night. This theater is not very busy, but it's uh, it's busy enough. Considering there's no uh, comic book movies playing right now. We've just come out of uh, The Gentleman. The new joint from Guy Ritchie. Does he get the word joint? Well... I mean, this movie was weed-based, but like, yeah. we're not going that route. <laughs> I mean, there's that, for starters. And that was actually going to be my opening volume. So about 20 years ago, this guy hit the ground running with Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and followed that up with Snatch. And he seemed to be all of a sudden carving himself out as one of those guys. He was a brand. And now here we are about 20 years later. And I guess that's my uh, half-assed, on-the-fly, non-scripted pop quiz hotshot is in light of the gentleman and in light of the last 20 years. Is Guy Ritchie a brand and the guy who we could kind of say a Guy Ritchie joint? So, to answer that question, we need to ask something very important. What do we need to ask Andrew right. Robinson? Which is, you talk about his ones that he came out with out of the gun with, yes. with Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and I'm kind of stretching myself because I wanted to double check before I said anything, right. and I was correct in that those two movies he wrote. Right. Right? Yes. It wasn't about his direction, it was the fact that he wrote it, and I just played a trailer on my phone. Um, <laughs> he wrote those, yes. and it almost feels to me 
almost like the story of the band that was, right? The band that came out with their first album that was just rock solid. Mm -hmm. Banger from end to end. And the second one was good, but not as fine, but you were okay with it. And as it came out, it was a match of diminishing returns. It was diminishing returns. And all because they've said everything they wanted to say. Okay. And now it's a case of, can he get a good script? Right. Right? Because I truly don't believe he's really coming up with something innovative anymore. Like, he's just now like, what are you throwing at me? You need a Sherlock Holmes movie? Alright, I'll try and jazz it up with like my little tricks. Yeah. But it's not gonna be Snatch. No. Right? You want an Aladdin movie? Yeah. Right? I'll try, <laughs> but I'm not calling myself any Martin Scorsese here. No. Right? And I think that's what he's shown himself to be over the years as time has gone on. He had one really good idea. And now he's just milked a career. Right. <laughs> it's it's strange because we you know we both go to film festival every year that brings in all kinds of talent who have done all kinds of things and it's a big piece of why they're there. And I'm talking about people like Barry Levinson comes to the film festival or um, Robert Zemeckis will come to the film festival or. Uh, even Tom Hooper all of a sudden will come to the film festival and it's like these were people who won awards these were people who could say you know a Barry Levinson movie and yet there's a whole generation who's like Barry who you know who Zemnikis what who what Guy Ritchie I feel like has gone and slipped into that thing where 20 years ago he was the guy who was like oh guy Ritchie has another movie the Lockstock guy the snatch guy let's go now it's like isn't that the guy who did aladdin you know yeah it's it, that's what has happened now i mean he wrote this movie and this to me is more of his shtick this movie and those first two and we're forgetting about um rock and rolla yeah. is in there as well this is what i thought he was going to be doing and yeah, they're just, you know, mildly scrambled versions of the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think that's the whole point is once you've played that card one time, you, we, we all know what's coming with the cards. So now that we've established that no, he's not a brand, he's not the kind of guy who makes a Guy Ritchie joint, what did we think of this movie, The Gentleman? Oh my god, this movie is bad. <laughs> I asked you this, I asked you this when you appeared here. I was like, so on the scale, how bad do you think this is gonna be? Right. And you very much like shrugged it to be like, well, we know what we're in for, kind of ish. I said, like, I just hope it doesn't flub its lines and bump into the furniture. Right. And you're saying that it missed a lot of lines and knocked over a this, few ottomans. This is a movie in which. <laughs> It is, it is a bad film, and you know it's a bad film because you walk out of this movie and there are only two things anyone's going to talk about this movie, and that things are Colin Farrell and Hugh Grant, right? Everything else of this movie is mediocre and bad, right? Right. Everything else is just trite, and you go and you're like, oh, you're trying to do the copy scene again, and you're like, no, he doesn't even have the confidence to do the copy scene again. That he that so lock stock and two smoking barrels. I saw that movie around 
probably 2002-ish. Okay. Douglas had come home from, sc- from school in the States with this DVD of Rock Song and Two Swinging Barrels, and he came back for summer break, and I saw that movie and fell so deeply in love with it that I literally watched it every day that summer. Oh, wow. Right? I beat your Captain Marvel nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I could ad-lib that movie. Okay. Right? So much so that three years later, when I then went to university in the States and saw a random dude bro watching this movie, I was literally reading the dialogue with the movie. Still. <laughs> My God. I adored that movie. Okay. Right? In, in ways that I watch things like this today, and it makes me question... Am I am I older than that movie now? Am I over that type of movie? Uh, or, yes, you are. Or is it just that that movie wasn't good to begin with? Oh, well, <laughs> see, now we're getting theoretical. So I don't know, man. That's I think that's a whole other show. But anyways, back to the gentleman. The only two things are Colin Farrell and Hugh Grant. I love that we've gotten to the point where Hugh Grant is a character to know. Hugh Grant, if you had have told me, again, if you had have told me 25 years ago when Hugh Grant was the Four Weddings guy and the Morris guy and the and the Nine Months guy picking up prostitutes, that this is what we were going to see in 25 years. This crotchety character actor, bad teeth, bad accents, bad demeanor to him delivering bad lines in a rather amusing way, I would have called you a damn dirty liar, right? This is, I I do appreciate that we are here to see this version of Hugh Grant in the various movies that he's been in. And I, I do think that if Guy Ritchie ever has a good idea again, that he should incorporate Hugh Grant because he's, he's by far the best part of this movie. Oh, he has in Man From Uncle. The, oh, I, I totally forgot that he was in that movie. I totally forgot about that movie. Even though that that movie is referenced in this movie just to really, you know, spike spike the, the ball on the mess that is this movie. I, I said to you as we walked into the cinema, look at that cast, how bad can it be? <laughs> in terms of famous last words... So it got to the point where I started to really pay attention to Matthew McConaughey in this movie. Because? Because I started to think, is this one of those movies that they got this cast because they figured out how to do cheap enough? So they were like, all right, we're going to have McConaughey in one real setting so we can film him in one day. Oh, okay, I see. Go. Yeah, yeah. And I tried to pay really close attention to where right. McConaughey was in this No, they, he moves. He moves. Like, I see your, I see your math, and that's actually pretty good math. I'm going to start implying that. But he moves around a lot. The whole thing actually moves around a lot. There's no one person aside from maybe. I feel like they had. Um, oh, his name. I, I feel like they had Eddie Marzan for one day because yeah. he's not in it very much for how big for how big he's supposed to be he's really not in it much um I I mean this movie the the the, the whole point of film is supposed to be show don't tell and this movie you have one guy who tells the whole thing you know in this like you know cockney voice of god let me tell you let, let's play a game ray you know device he tells everything that he could not possibly know um and yet we're supposed to buy it uh i i i, I was i kept lowering the bar and lowering the bar and lowering the bar and i'm like how I bad got, was my laughter for you 
It wasn't. I mean, it was, the fact that we weren't laughing. That was the worst part. I right? was laughing at the movie. Oh yeah, there were times point. where I was laughing at how absurd this movie was. And just, I, I, I don't. You know, it, it's it's not the worst thing I've seen in a long time, but there is a lot of talent there that it should have been a lot better. That's the thing. It's like when you look at who is on that poster and a combination of old stars doing something new, like, you know, McConaughey's doing some new stuff with his career now that he's had his reconnaissance and Hugh Grant is doing new stuff with his career and Colin Farrell is even doing new stuff with his career. Along with them, you have stars on the rise like Henry Golding and Jeremy Strong, and you still, and even Charlie Hunnam, I think he's not quite on the rise, but he's look, he's peaked. He knows where his place is now. Yeah, well, I mean, but even that, that, that's the thing is that if this movie was made five years ago, they would have had Charlie Hunnam at its center. The fact that Charlie Hunnam is, Hunnam is the muscle shows that he's got half a brain and he knows this is where I need this guy. This is where your talents are, but he still can't land it. Um, I, I, I just, I want him to try something new. I want him to try something that is not, we're going to turn this on its head in its last act and then turn it on its head again in this watered down rock and roll uh, snatch kind of way. And that is not this movie. Because it's strange to me because when Rock and Roller came out, the story behind that movie was, oh, he had run off and he had done the beach movie with Madonna that no one liked. I remember liking that movie, but whatever. Um, he had done um, Sherlock Holmes, and I think at that point he had already no, done it was Sherlock before Holmes. Holmes. It was before Holmes? Yeah. Um, he had done these other things that just didn't work out, and people were like, look, is it just like you're begging for help now that like you're coming back to the British gangster comedy yeah. genre again. He's like, yeah, that's kind of what happened. I need to like build up more cred. Yeah. Um, and that movie was, that movie ended on a way where they were like, maybe we can make a trilogy of these. Guess what, guys? He didn't make a trilogy of rock no. and roll. No. Um, he's now gone off again. He did the one movie that he needs to do more of, but didn't make enough money for Man From U.N.C.L.E. Right? That movie's fun. Okay. Right. Um, it, it has things in it I like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I watched it and I paid half attention. Yeah. But I maybe should give it another go. Because, yeah. it, like, it's got four actors in it that I really love. So I should probably give it another go. So good you should watch it again. All right. Um, Can't be worse than what I just watched. No, definitely not. And then he got uh, he got to make a musical last year. Which one was his? Aladdin. Right, okay. <laughs> okay. We forget that's a musical. <laughs> This is true, even though it was just on my TV last week. Thank you, Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I mean, this movie, along with the fact that this movie is just absurd, top to bottom, um, this movie just wants so many things to be believed, right? Like, they, late in this movie, they use the analogy of the dominoes, how the last domino to fall is the one that's most important, or I pay attention to how the first domino fell. I'm saying to myself, you have arranged these dominoes in the most convoluted pattern that even the most skilled domino layer could not possibly lay and have them all fall the way that you want them to fall. You know, everything from these, these gangsters have made just 
amazingly huge empires on security and protecting their ass and knowing their enemy and all, all, all of that. And yet thugs of all kinds of levels are able to waltz in and out of their operations. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding? Like, you've got this weed farm hiding under an estate. But yeah, okay, you've shown that it's there. But five hooligans, you know, with, with GoPros on their heads could just waltz right in because there's nobody standing out front. Yeah, okay, sure. Meanwhile, somewhere in the middle of London, there's this Chinese gangster betting on horses, calling it his only vice. And another gangster can walk into his operation completely unchecked. Had the exorcist vomit. Oh, <laughs> this movie makes no sense. And yet it wanted to. Like this movie, another movie that comes to mind that it feels like this movie wanted to be in a less cartoony way is I feel like this movie kind of wanted to be the Kingsman. You know, it wanted to bring together a cast. It wanted to be handsome and stupid and, you know, mildly fun and lay the groundwork for another movie or two, but no. Um, is it a little too on the nose to cast Matthew McConaughey as a marijuana kingpin? I don't see him as a marijuana kingpin. Like, I mean, I know he's the weed man. Did you man. see the beach bum? I did. I did see the beach bum. <laughs> I know he's a weed man, right? I, I, think of, I think of more, I mean, obviously everyone talks about his first film, the Days and Confused. Come on, man. That's what I'm saying. Um, but I, I tend to think of him being the surfer dude. You remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, the, that stage of McConaughey. Okay. I love the dumb stage of McConaughey. Right. right. I mean, we the all stage know. where he was thinking, I need to rethink my life. Yeah. Okay. Um, right then, before the McConaughey's. Right before yes. the McConaughey's. I mean, this feels to me almost like he's doing a Lincoln ad. <laughs> where, where that's he's, good where he's just sitting there and he's going like yeah this car it moves really slow doesn't it yes I can make my coffee hold up like I'm in parasites <laughs> this, that's what this movie is for him this is a Lincoln ad of a McConaughey movie it very much is like right down to the way he like he narrates the opening he narrates the ending there's the mix of the narration being just overdub and him actually moving his lips Mm -hmm. um, it's it kind of feels like and I never thought I'd say this in my life it feels like a pale glimmer of Killer Joe see that's the thing if I want to see this version of McConaughey I've seen better workings in not exactly high art cinema that used him to better results and that's that's the weird thing is every, like everything about this movie from you know a, a rough and tumble Colin Farrell to the this version of of uh, Matthew McConaughey to even you know a really well chosen second banana I've seen in other movies done better and that's the weird thing is we came into this with the bar pretty low and yet it couldn't clear it so what I want to ask you more importantly so like we know we know Colin Farrell is over. Colin Farrell and Hugh Grant are over here to the left, just giving us as much as they can. Yeah, they're like saying, Andrew Ryan, please try and have some fun. Those teams right? are trying hard. Those to teams use are trying your, hard. 
McConaughey's over here just sitting in the back of his car, just letting it roll through him, right? Jeremy Strong, what's your opinion of him in this movie? Because I feel weird about him and his character in this film. Guy Ritchie in all of these gangster movies does well with people who pretend to be high class but are actually not right and have to do with that disparity this guy in this movie feels completely up in high class and just feels strange in this movie for me he certainly dresses the part mm-hmm. i'm like we're ragging on this movie <laughs> but i must give it credit for this much it is handsome you know it, this is a movie that saw the production going on with knives out and said Note taken. There are sweaters in this movie. There are hats. There are. There's a lot of tweed. Uh, it's it's a it's it's very stylish for something that has so little substance. Jeremy Strong in this movie. I feel like he's in another movie. That that that's that's my takeaway from Jeremy Strong is his character is of this movie and the way that character is styled and positioned is of this movie. He's acting for something completely different. Um, I have not watched him that much in Succession, but I hear he's like the man in that show. He's one of the men. Okay. Um, You know, I know him from some interesting things that he did on Masters of Sex. Um, I know... Talked out of that show after like a season. He's he's in season three. And he's really good. Um, I also know him from, he had a kind of second banana part in the big short where he, you forgot about that too, didn't you? Fucking awful movie. No, it's not. Jeremy Strong is, is a guy who gives me hope because he's the kind of actor who's been in a lot of stuff for quite some time and is rising on merits. Like he does not seem like a kind of actor who's manufactured or plucked. He's a guy who's just been shown up and doing his thing and he's got this look and his look lends itself to a lot of different things and including his character in this movie that's the thing is that you put him in those glasses and that ridiculous hat that awful accent that well <laughs> not just that awful accent but if i didn't know better i'm like is this character supposed to be a caricature of a gay man because i know he's not but that's sort of how he's acting. He's, you know, he's doing this weird, high pitch kind of effeminate voice for no reason that I you can think understand. he needs being a capote, basically. <laughs> and that's the thing. I didn't like, see that at all. Oh yeah, weird, you know. yeah. No, it's it, like I mean, it it doesn't hurt that he's styled that way, right? And, and it's like it's like I need to lean into this styling. He does not speak that way ever, and yet that is how Guy Ritchie told him speak like this. So, I don't. I don't think that he just pulled that out of his bag of tricks. I think that that was crafted, and it does not work. His character is great. His character, for what his character is trying to do, and what and, and the role his character plays and how he plays it, is one of the better things about this movie. But man, does he make it hard to look past a lot of that bullshit. Um. I can't say I had high hopes for this movie. No, but you and I are are the same in terms, like, I always like to go in hoping 
that something good is going to come. You know? No, sometimes I, I think I've, I've grown up. I, sometimes I go in and I'm like, this is going to be trash. Put it this way. This is now officially my second film of 2020 I've watched. I did Quincy Bad Boys. <laughs> You're off to a baller right? start. So I like to make the joke when I see the first film that officially that's the worst film of the year. Okay. Because there's nothing else to compare it to. Right. What do you think wins in this tug of war? I know you've not gone to see Bad Boys 4. I, I, <laughs> Bad I, think, Boys I, I think there are no winners, <laughs> including us, especially us. Um, I mean, listen, if nothing else, I wasn't bored. <laughs> You know, it's like if I'm dropping the bar as low as it can go. I wasn't bored. I wasn't exactly entertained, but I wasn't bored either. This movie feels to me the kind of movie that you only love if you're still at the age where you find it funny if people say the word cunt. Yes. And yes. If you're the kind of person who watches a Jim Jeffries special and can't stop laughing because he uses the word cunt too often. And right. I understand that I've broken your swearing rule around five you're doing, times. You're doing me a favor. It's okay. <laughs> there are the, the, the handcuffs are off today. Today only. Um, but it, it's, it's weird to me like to become that person who goes like, swearing isn't funny. Well, it's, not just, it's not just swearing isn't funny, but there's a scene late in this movie where somebody is blackmailed. And I'm at the p the point in my life with how they're blackmailed is not funny. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, that's the thing. Like, I look at that and I'm like, that is dark on several levels. And I know where this all started. And I don't even want to mention it in the show because if I mention where it started, somebody will very easily do the math as to what I'm talking about. Um, it's, it, it's something that traces back to a show. You know, oh yes, yeah, I'm, there, very, there I'm very upset that they've done that because I keep that memory special to that oh, yeah. TV show, yeah. and I think that TV show but deserves the, everything. And that's the thing is that if I'm going, if I'm again playing the Guy Ritchie analogy of 20 years ago when he did Lock, Stock, and Snatch, 20 years ago me might have still found that funny. Mm -hmm. 41 year old me does not find that funny or amusing at all, and I'm like, there is a million different ways you could have blackmailed this character. That's really harsh. That's, that, that, that's like inappropriately dark. And yet here we are. So are we saying that we've grown up faster than Guy Ritchie? I think that's what we're saying. Or is it that he's lazy at writing? I think we're saying that too. I, I mean, I, like, I, I, don't, I don't not want Guy Ritchie movies. That's the crazy thing is I do want more movies in that vein of, of even like I, I enjoy Rock and Roll Up. I really do. It's it's a it's a fun movie. It's a good I cast. Fair to rewatch it. No no no. Do it. Do it. It, <laughs> it holds up quite nicely. Um, you know you, you've got a you've got a great little cast assembled there. I do enjoy it for what it is, and it's not even looking at it through the, the lens of nostalgia. Just straight up, I would like more movies in that realm, but find a new way to do it that's not you know, drugs and gangsters and double crosses and triple crosses and, and the same roles just crisscrossed, right? I mean, I think that was my that was my big qualm coming away from The Irishman last year was I've seen this movie and I've seen you do it better. That's the thing is that, is, you know, you're gonna repeat yourself. And shorter. And shorter, yes. <laughs> Even just a little bit, right? And I mean, that's, that, that's the thing. So, I do want Guy Ritchie movies. I just, I want them better than that. 
do we? I don't know if I still want Guy Ritchie movies. Like, I feel, I feel the, I, as I said starting up, I'm like, I wonder if it's just that he doesn't have good stories to tell anymore. Because I wonder as it relates to his directing talent as opposed to his writing talent. Uh, as to if I just gave him a great script, yeah, like would he develop a movie I'd be excited for? Mm. Would there be a Guy Ritchie factor that I'd still be excited for? Because at this stage, like I feel the Guy Ritchie factor is throwing Cockney and having gangsters. Well, in I it. feel okay. I think I, I feel like the spin that you're talking about is what we saw in Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. So ask yourself that. His influence on Sherlock Holmes was that enough for you, or his influence on Man from Uncle is that is that enough for you? Man from Uncle, like I think it, Man from Uncle was probably the first one where I didn't see Guy Ritchie the okay. way that we see Guy Ritchie normally. Okay, right, because it still had fun, right? If we're calling that to be a Guy Ritchie factor, but it never it never felt like it had been transported to a gangster English story. It was just a it was a spy story, and there were a couple directorial flares, but almost most of those don't necessarily feel like what we've seen before from Guy Ritchie. So that's right. where you want him to go? Yeah, I want him to go elsewhere. Yeah. I want him to get out of this bubble of I have to do this British gangster movie. Because, I mean, at this point, just fucking cast Idris Elba <laughs> and let him be hilarious. That was rock and roll. Right. Let him let, let him play Stringer Bell or in did, your movies. Or did you forget that? I forgot that. Yeah, no. He's <laughs> in that movie. He's hilarious. He's got a very small part. <laughs> I haven't watched that movie since it came out. Oh... <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna watch it now. I am. Okay, so we you know we've been we've been ragging on this movie, but we do end with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If we could take away from this movie and keep, we would. I know we've said that we would leave most of it on the table, <laughs> but there had to be something that you would take away from this movie and keep. What would I take from this movie? I think I remembered around thirty minutes ago, but now I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> the the thing I definitely take away from this movie has to be just. Colin Farrell's use of language, which he's always brilliant with. Like, there's the Fahok scene, which everyone's seen in the trailer. Yeah. But just, but just his general, like, that opening scene that we see him in, where the the punks come and fight him, right? And he kind of just tells him that you fight with your brain. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like, I love Colin Farrell. Colin, like, we talk about reconnaissance. We need to find a word for the Colin Farrell thing that's happened since in Bruges to now, right? <laughs> he has just become the actor who knows how to have fun. Yes. Right? Yes. And he knows, he can. you can give him the worst movie in existence and he will give you the best 20 minutes of that movie right. without a problem. Right. Okay. Right? I want his sweats, his sweats that he's wearing. I want his glasses. Actually, he's going to buy a new pair of glasses. He <laughs> want those. Right. Very good. Okay, I think if I'm keeping one thing from this, if I'm keeping one thing from this movie, the only one thing I'm keeping from this movie, I'm keeping Charlie Hunnam's barbecue. Charlie Hunnam's rich ass, keep your feet warm while you cook your steak barbecue in the back of his very expensive house that just looks like so much fun. And would just, you cook me a Wagyu? Because I haven't had Wagyu yet. Me neither. So I would buy that <laughs> on the expensive barbecue and cook that shit. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think it's not going to be any surprise as we rate this film, as we do in that ACAST. Scale of one to four stars. Andrew Robinson, the gentleman. One to four stars, so one, there's no zero. There's no, I mean, there is a zero. There's no <laughs> way that's a zero. 
I've, I've handed out in my life I've handed out two zeros what are they can you remember uh, one of them was Sucker Punch was a zero that's uh, yep. yeah, that's deserving and Step Up 3D was a zero <laughs> because it was so absurdly stupid I'm gonna give that a one okay right. it has things for me to enjoy things for me to edit out and keep to myself yeah. right it is more of the Colin Farrell songs right right gotcha <laughs> um, I think I'm, I'm giving it I'm, I'm, gener- I'm, I'm being, being hard on it and giving it a one and a half which is that like it's really handsome if, if that was a silent movie if that was something I just had on the television while I was editing this show I, I'd be fine right just watching people move around wearing wearing tweed you know wa- watching them sip expensive whiskey and, and cook wagyu steaks in expensive cars watching Arsenal play in a box um, I was gonna say that's, that's the other thing this movie gets a one for you and like is it because it wastes an arsenal scene no 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 okay that doesn't um, even factor in. I almost when I was watching that scene before you had seen the stadium or the field like I just saw people in scarves yeah and I was like oh that's Emirates yeah. that's how much I know that football right right <laughs> no one and a half for me one from Andrew Robinson the gentleman don't do it So there we have it. Not the greatest movie, which shouldn't surprise anybody since, as I mentioned off the top, it's January, but at least it led to a fun conversation. And at the end of the day, that's what I want most to bring to you fine people. Conversation, discussion, ideas, a chance to keep talking about the things we care about. That is episode 240 of the Matinee Cast, and I'd dearly like to thank Andrew for coming by. Come back on Monday, February 10th for episode 241. I'm not sure just yet what we're going to be talking about, and I'm happy to take suggestions. If there's a movie out there in theaters, on demand, that you would uh, like to have a conversation about or like to listen to a conversation about, please let me know. Andrew uh, can be found at Tump. He drops episodes fortnightly, and the schedule is kind of kept under very close watch, so I'd love to tell you what he's talking about next, but he didn't even tell me. On Twitter, though, the man is at GManReviews. My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, whatever Apple's doing these days, Blueberry. Everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on the gentleman can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email ryan at thematinee.ca. Twitter, you can find me at matinee underscore ca. Facebook, of course, facebook.com slash darkmatinee. For Andrew, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.